Welcome back to the Carp Chronicles podcast, episode number 50. And before I jump into what this episode is all about, I just want to say thank you without getting too cheesy or, or anything like that. But uh, yeah, this is 50th episode that we've ever done. Um, and yeah, I didn't necessarily think that, that we'd come this far when I first started this podcast. So uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening. Um, I'm glad it, many of you enjoy it. I'm sure some of you don't enjoy it. And, and then I'm sure you stop listening, which is absolutely fine. But for those of you who stick with us, keep downloading, keep commenting, liking, leaving reviews. I really appreciate it. Uh, and I genuinely mean that. You know, I definitely wouldn't be here without you guys listening and supporting the podcast. So just wanted to say thank you very much. I, it genuinely is a appreciated this episode of course uh, is the second part to the recent um interview i did with stephen white you can expect much of the same pretty much just bait related and how stephen would target different carp and what he does with this that and the other forewarning and i know many of you are going to roll your eyes now but of course i'm several beers deep at this point um so i've had, had quite a few beers in in this second part um so apologies if i'm uh, if i'm not getting the best out of stephen and not asking the best questions i could be um i've promised myself that next episode i will drink much less so uh yeah that's it i hope you enjoy the episode of course we are proudly brought to you by bp milling go ahead check out bp milling at bpmilling.co.uk awesome company awesome guy that runs it and they sell some awesome products check them out please as well as that, just lastly, of course, go ahead, check out my own little bait company, which is optibaits.com, which is basically my ideas of how bait should be. Uh, I've been rolling bait for the best part of 20 years, and of course, I get to speak to lots of interesting bait makers um, and companies and, and sort of industry leaders in certain regards from this podcast, and I kind of fuse everything together and bring out the products, which I think are missing from the market. And it's the products that I want to use and it is the products that I do use in my own angling. So uh, I'm very, very close to that passion project. Don't do it for money. Uh, the, the business owes me money. So it's nothing like that. Um, but it's just uh, it's just something that I actually really, really enjoy doing. So go ahead, check that out. Optibates.com. That's it for the intro. I hope you enjoy this episode with the awesome Mr. Stephen White. I think to some extent, especially with mirrors, that, that food value really helps. I think if you're pre-baiting, then food value is is a lot. We've kind of touched on this before. Well, we have touched on it before, mm. actually, in detail. But why do you think that food value is more important for mirrors than it is for commons? Well, one, that they're a genetic freak, and they're inbred, and they bred to be big. But carp historically were bred for the table. They were a genetic aberration with fewer scales. They were inbred to eat. And, and, and it's like Labrador. Apparently 80% of Labradors have a genetic mutation where they can't yeah. stop eating. So they're highly trainable because, because they're food orientated. Yeah. Well, in, the, in, in carp fishing, you've got your wild type, Carp, which you like, your working line, you know, like, like your wild mongrels, I suppose. It's a bad analogy, this. I mean, the point is, I, I think mirror carp are bred to, to be gluttons because they, they farmed fish, where, whereas a lot of your commons are wild. They're more of a, a wild fish. I mean, apparently, commons have got a higher proportion of, of red fibers 
than the mirrors. Mirrors have, have more have more fast switch white muscle fibers. And apparently commons have have more stamina red you know slow twitch red red muscle fibers. So they've got a different musculature for a start, which must have some meta you know, must have some metabolic implication. I'm not saying all obviously there's different strains of, of, of commons yeah. and what have you. But as a generalization, you've got you must have different metabolic pathways. Mm. So, so have, you know, a, a variation on it. Have you looked at um requirements for extra scales? I mean, I know it sounds silly, but obviously commons have a lot more scales. Yeah. They require certain nutrients. Calcium is mm. the obvious one, but I think there's a bit more to it than that. Have you looked into that side of things? I haven't, to be fair. Mm. Because what my thinking about commons is, you know, from from the catch results, they like certain things. And in most, from what I can gather, they, they seem, like, like commons seem to like tigers, don't they? Yeah, why do you think that is? Colour, food, sig- food signal, what, what do you think? Potentially fat content. Fat in a tiger nut. Potentially. Very, very low fat tiger nuts. They're not that low. What what percent fat is a tiger not nut? Not a clue, but basically tiger nuts are only fat, are only fat sugar and fibre. There's just rock all protein in, in a tiger nut. There's not a lot, is there? There's not much fat either, though. I think there's, there's, there's a... Obviously, I can't, I can't access my phone, but there's, there's a reasonable bit of oil in, in tiger. Sure there mm-hmm. is. Because you can get tiger nut oil for a start. I think... I, I, I'm pretty sure they're, they're fairly low in fat. They're low in protein, obviously. Mm. Like really, really low in protein. That's what I'm saying. So, so the only thing in it is sugar and and fat. Mm. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's that much fat in in tiger nuts. I could be wrong. I'm, mm. I'm pretty sure there isn't, to be honest. Um, no, but the point is, common seem to like tigers, don't they? I I, I found that anyway. I don't really use tigers, but Certainly put tiger nut flour in a bait. Yeah, I mean, but you you've also got the prebiotic nature of tiger nuts. That's, that's what I was saying. That's what I was saying before. I think the attraction com- comes comes from the from the formation of organic acids mm. on the on the fat content, whatever that fat, fat content is, by bacterial action on the on the substrate of the of the prebiotic fiber. Yeah, I mean that's why that's why I think the attraction in tiger nuts is. I don't think it's sugar. No, but I don't think it's fat. <laughs> no, but but it's fermented fat. It yeah. is fat because it's fermented fat. The fat the fat has been has been anaerobically fermented into organic acids. Mm. That's the attraction in, in tiger nuts as far as I can work out. It isn't it isn't the fat per se. It's the fact that when you anaerobically ferment fat, you get embutric and isovaleric and caprolic and all that. I mean as well, to go back to, to something that's topical of this podcast, is the, the protein need of of animals potentially uh, and them eating until they get it. Mm. I mean, well, fish has got to eat a 
fuckload of tiger nuts. Absolutely. To, to get its daily quota of protein, I don't think it would ever get. It isn't going to get it, is it? No, it's not going to get that. I think. I. Th- I mean, it's, I can't. I think it's around about seven percent protein. Um, tiger nuts, but, but I don't think that seven percent is available. Is, bi- is bioavailable? Is it? Not at all. Not at all. But in the same respect, I think. I think the fat is very low as well. Um, mm. And I don't think that's that available either. I got to be honest. I might be wrong. Again, I might be making a fool of myself, but I'm sure the fat in a tiger nut is very low. In fact, I'm I'm certain of it. And I don't think that fat is available because it's, it, any macronutrient can be bound up within the structure of a of a food. Absolutely. Stuff. Same with peanuts, isn't it? To some extent. Yeah. Yeah. You see what the shit out when they're, when they're eating a, even a nut bag of peanut, right? It's basically peanut butter. Yeah. But I mean, again, like peanuts, one of my favorite baits, I, I think, oh, obviously time and a place for them. Mm. Um, you have to prepare them properly. You have to use them, you know, well. But that's another freaking great bait, which not Absolutely. many people use. Well, what I'm saying is that it, it, in, in terms of peanuts, I've never used them as a peanut. But I would imagine that certainly in warm water, the only thing they're getting out of a peanut is some fat. Because because a peanut's what forty percent protein bound up in a lot of fiber is bound up in fat, and when when they crunch it up, they're not. It's not coming out. You know, peanut protein is, is in a, in terms of peanut is not bioavailable to a carp because they've got a, they've got a rudimentary digestive system. It's high fiber and it's going to shoot through them. The only, the only reason nut mix is working winter. Is because they fly through them. You're not getting any. You put you get a nut mix in winter, and it's just going straight through the cart. The cart's getting not a lot out of it, but it's coming out of the back end, well, so they'll well, keep eating it. Yeah, this is a bit of a bugbear of mine. The the there's a lot of um, you know, so-called bait experts and companies and things. <clears throat> they're basically just just touting about how quick their bait goes through the carp hmm. great you know it's very easy to design a bait that fucking flies through a carp how much of that how much of the goodness contained within that bait are they actually assimilating it, it's very fucking easy to get Especially a, bait in a low food value bait like a, yeah like a yeah. nut mix which is not a high food value bait anyway yeah yeah yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Shit loads of fiber, bang a load of spices on there, some capsaicins to, to fly through the gut tract. Mm. And well, you've got a bait that will fly through them quickly, irritate them on the way. Yeah. And it, it's actually doing them very little good. Um, it's not to say they won't keep eating it because they obviously will. No, they will. Yeah. They, and they will. Actually, and and the protein, but, you know, the, the protein leakage hypothesis sort of stands true to that. Yeah. Yeah. But, exactly. But if, you, if you look at something like, um, say, using, um, a really rich fish meal with hydrolyzed ingredients with think with digestive egg like brocastel then and and fish meals highly digest well, not highly digestible but to a carp it's fairly digestible even though a lot of that's going to be coming at the back end they're going to get maximum benefit from from that bait in terms of food value in reasonable water temperatures so so if if you were pre-baiting a lake with especially if you've got mirrors in it big old mirrors or mirrors generally then i think they'll keep coming back to that spot the higher within reason the better the food value you put in 
of, of the bait you're putting in if you're pre-baiting, then yeah. I think the food value is going to keep them coming back. Yeah. Because so, they go, they're, going to, they're going to get a definite nutritional benefit from it, which if you're only fishing like I fish, then I'm not entirely sure how much you can assess the nutritional benefit in that 48 hours, given there's loads of other baits. There could be loads of other baits in your swim already. I think some fish definitely like fish meals because they like the taste. Certainly, probably in 24 hours, it probably there's potentially some nutritional benefit and they'll come back for it. But um, I think the pre-baiting is a massive edge to feeding a nutritional bait. And, and I think, you know, that's much more important for pre-baiting than it is just turning up to a lake and fishing. Which is, which is basically, yeah. I, I design my baits now, my, my baiting approach. I, I, I turn up, like when I turn up acting, I just took a, I just took a fish meal. I'd, uh, no, I think I, I tried my nut mix because I had some in the freezer. Got I caught my nut mix, but I was, but I went in with a fish meal, and it really. But no one else was on a fish meal on that lake. So, yeah, I want to talk to you about this. All right, okay, carry on for now. Carry on. No, I was just saying I, I went in with a heavy fish meal, like a thirty yeah. percent LT, ten percent, you know, CPSP ninety, and all all the rest of it. Nothing, nothing wondrous by anybody else's standards, but no one else on that lake was using a fish meal. And if they were, the odd person was using one of the big companies' fish meals, which, as you know, there's not much fish meal in them. Yeah, no. You know, if you're using a, a really rich fish meal with all the bells and whistles, you just haven't come across it for a while. And it, and it really did seem to make a difference with, with, with certain fish, but not but, others. But yet, somewhere like Granville, right? Mm. They're, they're big fish. They have a big dietary requirement. By default, they must. They they have to, right? Yeah. Uh, I've never fished the place, never stepped foot on there. I imagine it's not exactly riddled with naturals, right? It is. It's very rich. Massive, massive bloodworm matches, chronomid matches. How how rich how full of weed is it? Unbelievably weedy. Really? Ah, see, yeah, see, I'm totally off the mark then. I I, I didn't envisage it like that. Yeah, but what so also you don't know is Paul the owner puts a feed bait in a feed boilie. Yeah, see, which is see, which is, a, which is a, a very rich fish meal. Yeah, see, I'm not I, I I'm not familiar with the venue and the route I was going to go down is I now realise is not applicable. So yeah, but. Because the shoal fish, they'll just Grenville is just about getting on fish. I don't think I even as much as I, you know, how much of a baiter I am. I don't think bait is as important on Grenville. It's just fine. It's just getting on fish. If you're yeah. on fish, you're gonna catch because the shoal fish is massive. The average size is thirty odd pound now. I bet I, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. I bet there's over seven hundred thirty in there. There's over 100 and there's probably 150, 154. Yeah, but you can blank your ass off all season because it's such a big lake. If you're not on fish, you're hundreds of yards away from fish. 
Seven hundred thirties. Yeah. When I was fishing in Cornwall, there wouldn't have been seven thirties. Right. I know. Yeah, I know. It's it's years, when I went on Nipton but... in twenty fifteen, um, Anthony said there's between thirty and fifty thirties in this lake now as we speak, and he said it'll do a forty within the next between eighteen months and five years. It'll do a forty. And at that time, the lads, the local lads, were saying, "Why are you driving down here?" I said, "Because." There's more thirties in this lake than there is in the whole of Greater Manchester, so that's why I'm doing a 270 mile round trip. I thought I was mental. I said it's just not. And the lakes, what well, I've got the thirties in, are like park lakes, where it's just you know some people are full time on the lakes. You've got Gyro Joes on the lakes, literally living on the lakes. You've got three thousand people on a bank holiday milling about. You know. Hmm. So, so, so yeah, I mean, just, Grenville just blows your mind, but it's incredibly hard. If you get on fish, it's not. The, the fish are dead. If you get on fish, it's so easy to catch because, like, my UK PB, I haven't been out for three and a half years because Paul's got graphs of every fish of every weight. He's got pictures of both sides of every fish from stocking to, to whatever weight they are. And he, he plots graphs of the weights. So he knew that fish that I had hadn't been out for three and a half years. Some 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 of the Grenville fish come out two or three times a year, and then he, he'll show you a picture. He says, "Oh, this one hasn't been out for nine years." So they're not pressured fish. Well, just because they're not coming out doesn't necessarily mean they're not pressured. Well, if you're saying there's seven hundred that there, there's so many fish in there, they can't be pressured. No. no, no, they're not pressured because I asked Paul, the owner, I said, how many fish do you reckon come out a year? And he said, well, I don't know, but I'm guessing about a 1,000. Well, there's 1,800 fish in the lake. So that means on average, they're not getting caught once a year. And some fish are coming out two or three times a year, the ones, the friendlier ones. So some just aren't coming out. So they're not pressured. If fish hasn't been caught, for, I mean, it obviously could have been lost. But what I'm saying is if a fish hasn't been out for three and a half years, it isn't pressured. It's just staying out of the way of angling pressure or it's a slow, whatever it is. But they're incredibly easy to catch on Grenville if you get on them. It's getting on them. It's, you, just, you just sit there and, and you just, you're miles away. <laughs> Do you know what so, I mean? So, yeah, so to, to, to get into the mind of, of Stephen White a little mm. bit, right? Jesus, you don't want to do that. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> Dangerous territory, right? But... So, so once you've done at Acton, yeah, you've obviously got Grenville. You've you've got the other lake you mentioned, Girton. Yeah. Let's say there's another lake presented to you. Let's say I don't know, three hundred acres. Hmm. There's eight or nine carp. They're around about forty years old. Let's say they're up a up a thirty scrape of forty, but they're fucking hmm. old warriors. Car- yeah. you know, beautiful fish. Not not they don't all look the same. Um, there might be a few stuckies <laughs> in there as well. <laughs> A2 Bruto. Yeah. They're what I would call proper fish. Yeah, 30 yeah. acres, not very yeah. well fished. Uh, you know, would you find yourself just saying, nah, fuck that. That is not me. I'm going to Granville where there's 730s and, and God knows how many. No, it depends where it was. Because, because you can only approach a lake like that by walking it and baiting it. Let's say it's you the same distance as Granville. You, you can't fish, yeah. You can't turn up to a lake like that and do your 48. Why not? Turn up and just, just set can. your bivy up. 
course you can. You, you can, but it's not the way to approach a lake like that, is it? I don't think. That's, that's a lake where you want to be on your toes all the time, baiting spots, and going off what you see. That, that, that's the exact opposite of what I do, because I want to be in my bivvy, chilling and enjoying my fishing. But I couldn't do that where it's 200 miles away each, each, each round trip. You, you know, if I've got a 350-mile round trip to walk a lake, you need to be walking it four or five nights a week, ideally, and, and, put, and put, in, put in baiting spots, ideally in the edge where you can see what's going on. And just seeing where the what the movements of the fish are. How, how many weeks a year do you go to Acton? Well, I reckon I do 50, 50 nights easily. So, so at least twenty six weeks a year, right? For a forty eight. So, if you did twenty six trips to a lake that we've just made up, mm. and let's just say you spent four. I mean, I know you need to sleep forty hours walking. Trying mm-hmm. to find fish, eight hours fishing, which is more than you'd need hours yeah, of fishing. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, there's there's eight or nine carp. You you seven years. Do you not think you'd ca- catch them all? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but but what I'm saying is I don't know. I don't know any lakes like that. No, we're just making. We're, no, we're no, just, no, but what I'm saying is mature. We're making to me. We're making believe. To, to me, it's about opportunity. <laughs> yeah. If I had the opportunity to fish other lakes, then then I, I would fish them. Mm. But but it's it's, it's opportunity. I'm fishing with the best that I have available to me. Do you know what I mean? I'm I'm not in the sort of social. Things a lot of lads who fish down south or, or certain areas, like a lot of the Midlands lads who fish these tramp pits, which are which are, you know the guesting on them. The 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 lads who've been doing it thirty odd years. They get the nod, they get the whisper to some special fishing here. And there's a few lads will hit that lake and other lads will be walking it. But my point is, I've no, absolutely no knowledge and, and everything's kept quiet. You know, lakes with special fishing that, that, that are not getting that much attention these days. It's on murder, it's a code of silence. Unless you know someone really but, well, you don't know about that. But that is the beauty you you go and yeah. you find out yourself. Absolutely, but there isn't anything up in the north. There's nothing. The closest things really to me is probably the Midlands where you start getting big gravel pits down the A1, the M1. It's got to be something. Mate, you don't know how bad it is up here. Mm. Honestly, you, you, you've just no clue. It's probably like Cornwall. It, 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 just, it just isn't. There really isn't. There's a few carp in, in, in various lakes, but they're not the sort of lakes I want to fish because they're usually in, in not great areas. You know, there's a sort of local clique. We, and they, you know, they burn people's cars. Like, remember, like, near Nipton, there's a place called Denton, and it had a, back in the day, years and years ago, it had a 40 in it, sort of 20-odd years ago. And there was one guy on there. Anybody turned up, he didn't know. He'd burn the car out. <laughs> Just an absolute hooligan. And, and, and the lads on it's literally, he used to drive past it on the way to Nixon. And all the lads on Nixon had fished it 20, 30 years ago and said this fucking mental case. Just used to burn people's cars out. Just firebomb, you know, if you turned up there, you'd just firebomb your car. Brutal. 
because 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 he wanted you know he wanted he wanted this fish to himself this party. I mean, back in the day, I thought it was rare as rocking ass too, wasn't it? Mm. But it's the same. It's the same with a lot of these big reserves. You you won't know what's in it without. I haven't got the time to to, to travel a hundred miles each way to walk a lake that I don't even know there's any carp in it. Mm. You to two or three hours drive each way just to walk a lake and and, and to work out whether you, you've got, got to have the knowledge. And if you haven't got the knowledge, then you're knackered, and, and it just isn't. It doesn't happen locally. I mean, the big the biggest fish sort of around here. Is, is, is Clifton, which is Manchester Park Lake. It's got Mr. Angry, which is the old Lancashire record. It does like 46. But you've got lads, there's, I think there's about 20 fish in that lake. And you've got lads living on there. Fishing for Angry. Mm. And it's just, it's just, honestly, I went down on Bank Holiday, it was just chaos. Fair play to the lads who fish that. You know, because... It's just, it's just mental. You've got another couple of gravel pits. You've got Sail Marina and you've got um, Charlton Marina, which you've got both gravel pits. But again, they just, you know, I mean, there's some there's some waters in Cheshire. Um, one of my mates is on is is, is having a double of water, a special water in Cheshire. Um, I'm not going to name it, but you know, I've got a ticket for it, but I haven't, I haven't done anything on it yet. Um, but that has got some nice fish in it, and that's more like what you're talking about. Mm. Um, but again, that's waters like that are about location, aren't they? You've got a lower stock. I think your time your time is, is best spent um, walking the lake and, and trying to find them, really, isn't it? It's, it's just a different type of fishing. Yeah, I, I don't think Dean's got anything like that either, but how far from Dean are you? You're up that oh, kind of Dean's way, Stokes. So Stokes about 60 miles, something like that. Okay. You know, there's a few lads from Stokefish, Acton. It's not a million miles away from Acton. You're probably 30, 40 miles from Acton or whatever. Right. Um, you know, Acton's sort of more towards Wales, really. You're going towards more Welsh border. You know, West West Midlands, Shropshire, isn't it? Yeah, Shropshire, yeah, yeah. which is next next to Wales. But but Dean's sort of more in the middle on the M6 side. Like Stokes just off the M6. Anything but, above Birmingham is like proper north to me. So I'm yeah, fine. but the, the point is, I, I would imagine a lot of Stoke lads. There's a lot. There's, there's lads from Stoke on Grenville. They're travelling down. The, the lads from Stoke go to Acton. There's a few decent waters in the Midlands. There'll be, a, there'll be, I can guarantee there'll be Stoke lads from that area on Girton. Mm. You know, you get lads from, from from Derby sort of going. You know, they're on Girton. They they come over to Acton. They go to Girton. So so half the country is is going to the same waters because from the north there isn't that much because we don't the gravel pits don't really start until you get down the M1, the A1. All the Trent pits, as loads, you know, got A1 pits and all loads of pits around the Trent, the Trent because it's, it's you know, it's, it goes alongside of the A1. Mm. I mean, I, I remember when I was on Selby, there was a lad from Reading area, and he said, and he moved up to Yorkshire, and he said there were, there were more carp in a five mile radius from his old house than there was north of Sheffield. I mean, Last time we spoke, obviously, we were talking about different carp 
and mm. how to target them. Have you, have your, have you had any opinions change on that since we last recorded? Any sort of slight shifts at all, or are you, have you just been continually backing up your previous thoughts on it all? Well, 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 I changed my betting approach in in 2018 when I went onto the golden balls and the fermented. When I, the first three seasons I did on on acting, I, I was just using a fish meal, and I caught what I caught. I had some good fish. I had the, like the biggest fish in the top lake, the biggest fish in the bottom lake, and and some some other fish. And then I wasn't catching the other one, so I changed my baiting approach. And then. Out of the 10 left, last season I had six of them. So that reinforces, I had six out of 10 fish and, and five of them I had, I had twice within just over a year. So that backs up my theory that fish have certain preferences. And apart from the OT, they were all males. Mm. Big, big, long sleep, you know, sort of sleep males. So, so it's, and then, this season, we've not gone through this season, but I've had I've had a really good season this season since June. Like I said, I, I had the um, I had the big lever again opening week. The week after, I had the peach, and then a disastrous July and August. And then I've I've been back in September, and I've had in three weeks I had big pecks at forty four again, which was the, the fish I had the fourteenth of September last year. I braced that with a with a twenty eight pound stocky. The week after that, I had three originals, only to thirty three, but I set seven fish. And the week after that, I had the exact same two fish. I had big pecks again at forty four six, and the twenty eight got the twenty eight stocky again. I had the same two fish fourteen days apart out of the same swim on the same bait. Uh, two, there's two hundred and fifty fish. 230, 250 fish in the top line now with all the stockies. And I had two, the exact same fish, two weeks apart. Mm. And Big Pecs normally does about three or four captures a year, but usually one or two of those are in open access. So on the syndicate, a lot of the, a lot of the seasons it comes out two, maybe three times, and I had it twice in two weeks. And I've had it three times on the same bait in 363 days. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is, what for the fish that aren't eating the fish, or they are eating the fish meal, but, but the fish I'm catching on the golden balls and the fermented particle, they're on it. Given, given that I'm up against everybody else is on, is on, not everybody, but most people are on a different bait. So, so Acton, you use fish meals and you use your... No, I use, I, use fish, I use fish meals for the first three years and then, then I swap straight completely. Yeah, I'm on about now, nowadays. No, no I'm, I'm using... The, the, it's basically a, a 20% Super Gold 60 Maze bait with, with pre-digested ingredients and a bit of bird food. What's your reason for the... Um... The Super Gold 60 Prairie Mail. The colour. Ah, okay, yeah. I just wanted a bright bait. It's got protein in it. I don't know how... Yeah, it's, it's, what, it's, 60, it's 60% protein. It's not that bio... It's reasonably bioavailable. Bio it's just an energy exactly. bait. Um, but it ferments well. 
Mm. Anything with maize in it, especially with, with Super Goal 60, seems to ferment well because that because when when I um, when I turn that bait for for Grenville for bags, it really turns well. You got brewers uh, in there as well, yeah. Um, no, Brockersell. Okay. Yeah. Um, it does the same thing, but my, yeah, same thing. What I found is in the past that that baits that turn well are really good. Like like back in the, back in the day when I was on Selby, my nut mix used to have CC Moore used to sell a pre dye. Um, they used to call it a probiotic yeast powder, and then they stopped selling it. But I, I used to put it in my nut mix, and I suspect, but I don't know because it looks very much like Selmanax powder. Uh, I don't remember that to be honest. I don't know. We, I we're going back to twenty. 13. I was deep in bait rolling then. I can't remember. Yeah, well, they used to sell the probiotic yeast powder. And I used to put that in my nut mix. Um, from 2011 to 2014, I used it in my nut mix. And when I saw Selman Axe a few years later, um, basically CC Moore said, we're not selling it anymore. And then he went and hunted it out in the factory. And he said, oh, we've got three quarters of a sack. Do you want it? Yes, so hmm. I bought three quarters of a sack of this probiotic yeast, and then when it ran out, then I couldn't get it anymore. But my, my point is, I, I used to put the powder in the nut mix, and then feed stimulants do um, a pre a pre digested liquid yeast, which is very much like the consistency of marmite. It's like a treacle like yeast, pre digested yeast. I used to put both of those in my nut mix, and it would turn. If I just had it in a bucket, it'd turn in 36 hours mm. from fresh. Do you, do you use VCon or anything like that at all? Uh, well, I have in the past, but that's HVP's in my bait, so yeah. VCon's basically HVP. Yeah. Do you got so, powdered so H, HVP? I, yeah, I use powdered HVP, yeah, but in yeah. my soak. Yeah. So... It's better, you know. It's it's, it's more user friendly than Vcon. Yeah, but it's effectively it's just Vcon is just a paste version of. Yeah, you yeah. know, if you left if you left powdered HPP in a humid environment, you'd end up with a bag of Vcon mm. because it's very hygroscopic anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, HP. I'm a big fan of HPP, um, which is like your Super Gold sixty though maize protein. So when it starts turning. You get in some degree of hydrolyzation. Mm. Yeah. I, mean, I remember seeing the. Um, oh, we're going back ten years. CC Moore used to do online. Used to have the, the data sheets of, of the um, of all the products back in the day, and I seen the data sheet for wheat gluten, and it, and it was. I think it was about. 20%, 19 or 20% um, glutamic acid. So I thought, geez, if you get an hydrolyzed version of that, that would be fire. And I was working out, I was trying to work out how to hydrolyze it effectively. And then, and then years later, um, Glenn from Burton Bait Rollers, the late lamented Glenn, um, had, had some HBP powder and he mentioned it to me. And I was like, that's what I want. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's an absolute arsehole to put in a bait because it's so sticky. Yes. Nah. Yeah. 
the st- I think that's the stickiest fucking ingredient I've ever touched. Yeah, that and blood, that and blood powder stuff like that. You stick a decent bit of molasses in a bit. That's that's good fun. Mm. Um, but yeah, but HPP is just it's just an arsehole to use in a, in a, in a base mix. Um, but I thought it's it's a good a good ingredient. Probably something probably worth putting in a solid bag. Yeah, when we're talking about bags, mm-hmm. you know. Um, there's a lot of things like probably carry me as well. You know, if you if you were fishing if you were fishing at a, a lake where you could get a big a quick bite, I think putting powders like that in in your solids would would be big mileage. You know, where you yeah. where you can you can cast a bag on them and you could potentially get a bite within a few hours. Then then I think doing things like that with Again, again, my baiting approach is, is there's a time element to between baiting up. What I'm considering is the time element between the attraction in the bait because it's an out and out attractor bait. And by an attractor bait, I mean half the time there's no flavors in there. It's about chemo reception. I'm looking at the time delay between sticking the bait out in the pond and when I'm anticipating getting a bite. And I'm trying to leverage the attraction to that presentation to, to to best fit what I want it to do. Yeah. Like a lot, a lot of lads on Grenville are putting bare crumb in, in, in a bag, so it's just, just crumb. So, so I'm not sure how much of that crumb would be left after a certain period of time, given this big undertow, you know, the, and it's crumb and, and there's you know this is, this is the thing isn't it and and since we've been talking i wanted to to touch upon solubles and undertow mm. and things like that but yeah anyway sorry i interrupt you can't carry no on no but i'm just saying so so I, i'm looking at time i'm trying to get i think if i'm just fishing bags on 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 grenville i want some longevity to that as in if it stays out overnight then i want a certain level. I reckon some of the lads who are just fishing crumb, they're just fishing a single. So, it, because they're fishing crumb in a bag? Because they're putting crumb in a bag. With, with deep water undertow, mm. I, I don't think there's a lot. You know, within, within, say they've not had a bite for five or six hours, maybe ten hours, I'm not yeah, I convinced agree. there's a huge amount of, of actual attraction there because... Any solubility will leach out because of the particulate size of the crumb. And I'm not sure what necessarily what attractions in that bait in the first place, but with, with mine, one, it's turned. So I know exactly, I don't know exactly, but I've got a good idea of, of like the time delay of the attraction on it because I've got, I've got powder in there and I've got nuggets in there. The debate's twenty three percent hydrolyzed anyway. You've got the Bellacan in in the in the in the mix anyway, and then you've got all the everything what goes with with the bait being turned, mm. and because you've got different particulate size in that bag. But when I had the brace of forties in twenty eighteen, those bags went out by the time I'd set up, so that could have been two three o'clock, and I had one just before first light in September, and one. Half an hour after that, okay. and the rods could have been 
50, 60 yards apart. They were just pub chucked out about 100, 110 yards. But there was, I'm, I'm still confident that there was something there other than the hook bait after, okay. after sort of, you know, 15 hours. Yeah. So, so when I do these podcasts these days, mm. I'm very aware of the kind of questions we get from different points raised. So I'm always trying sure. to kind of filter Pre-em- what, them. yeah, what, what will people that are listening to this, what will their questions be? What, what do they need answered? And sure. I think probably a lot of them are thinking, okay, so solid bags then. How do I utilize this? How do I make the most of them? How do I make sure I'm not wasting my time? Uh, what would you say if you were to give the user a, a like an ultimate PVA bag uh, guide guideline? What, what would you what would you give them? Well, the first thing I would consider is how often you want to recast because because that definitely is a game changer. If you can recast every two or three hours, then you want something highly soluble and powder and liquid in it because you, because you just keep recasting. So, so like, like um, I've, in, I've injected liquids in, in, into bags before now. I've you know, filled it up with pellets and then whacked some liquids in. I've put balls of Bella can in. I've, I've used, I mean, CC Moore used to do um, Bella can powder. I've put that in before now. So, 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 the first thing is is always that what what application am I doing? If I'm not leaving that bait out for a long time, if I can keep recasting, then then you can put anything in. You, you know, I would literally. I mean, you can get powders from. Um, I mean, BAF do do all sorts of powders, don't they? Um, trying to think, Christ, I'm trying to think I, of the name. I mean- yeah, you, you. So let's say you can recast frequently, but it doesn't mean that it's desirable to do so because it. it presuming you have set. Up, no, it might be. It might be on some fish. water. It might. It might be desirable on some water to, to recast often. If you're fishing solids on linear, then I'd, I'd probably be recasting every. Yeah, we're not on hours. linear. We're not on linear. Right, right, so, right. This is what I'm saying about application. We're on a big fish, uh, a a lower stock big fish venue. Well, you're going to fish solid bags. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. So I'm not knocking it because it's the ultimate presentation—a solid bag. You know your rig isn't tangled, and you know there's a bit of food about it, even if well, you. Yeah, I mean, I know. Again, like I've got no hard and fast answer because it's just a made-up scenario. You were mm. talking about um, solid bags. It sounds interesting. It sounds like it's an area for experiment experimentation. As I said earlier, I kind of I know what I would do if I fish solid bags. And mm. I've started thinking about it recently um, and it gives a lot of freedom and, and it affords you to do certain things that you wouldn't be able to do if you were, you know, spotting out particle mm. or boily or something. So I think it's interesting. Um, I mean, it sounds like you, you, you've you gone back to solid bags at several points in this talk. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like you've had a lot of success on them. I've had my first UK 40 on solids. I've had my UK PB at 51 on the solid. Oh, there we go. Beautiful. So so is it just down to the presentation that you would say you've accredited those captures to? Or is it... Well, no, no, it's, it's mega attraction. It? It's, it's a soft, soft braided hook, short, soft braided hook link, which no one uses, apart from in solid bags. Yeah. You can't, you can't cast a... 
effectively cast a three-inch no. soft-braided KD-tied hook link and think, well, that's presented. But you in can't a solid effectively bag, cast any, um, any braided hook link, not any distance. Well, no, but that's what I used for three years on, on uh, Acton. My first three years was soft braid. How far were you casting? 10, 15 wraps. And you, you, well, yeah, fucking hell, fair play. No, but, but you had to, you had to hit the clip like a foot above the water. And yeah, it, and you got to watch it land, right? You got to watch it land, and it, it's yeah. just absolutely shite, but no one was doing it because everybody was fishing hinge diffy. Yeah. But my point is, in a solid bag, you know it's presented. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, so, so like I said, on Nipton, I had it on the, the spirulina pellets. Round dried with Nampla. So, so you've got the time release element there. Yeah. But there's, I mean, lads have, have mixed, I mean, back in the day, lads used to liquidize Belican into Nampla to make a thick sauce. Put pour that into your, into a solid over, over your, you know, put balls of paste in your solid bag. You get a few hours, of, a few hours of attraction. It, we, we just paste. Yeah, well, you don't need a bag though for that. Basically, just I put up, <clears throat> mold it around the fucking lead. The well, exactly. Easy. Exactly. The only thing you've got to do is make sure you put either a, a tiny. What I was doing on 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 Grenville at first was putting a tiny stick, like a literal marble sized stick, like a a centimeter bag of the, you know the cord along chuck mm. funnel web, making literally a, a you know. Just like say twelve a twelve mil diameter stick to go over my hook, my hook, and then I could get the nuggets in. So when I'm squeezing the bag down, I'm not impaling nuggets onto my hook. Yeah. But what but what I'm saying is, if you're putting paste in, you've got to make sure that anything you put in that bag is not knackering your presentation. If you're going to get a quickish, obviously, if you put paste in in, in a in a and it sums on your hook and six hours later, then it's not really going to knacker your presentation, is it? But if you've got something sticky within an hour and a fish picks it up, then there's a chance it's going to blow it back out. So, so you've just got to be mindful of that when you, when you actually, you know, the mechanics of making the bag. But, but if, if, if I was expecting a reasonably quick buyout, I, I, would, I would make it more attractive in terms of liquids and powders. I mean, if you're if expecting was a, if a quick bite, it, it, yeah. a paste bait is the way to go, right? And I've spoken hey, Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. I, I, would yeah. put, I would put paste in powders and bits and bats. If I was, if I was anticipating a bite within 8, 12, 15 hours, then that, I would change it so there's more solid food and I would get the attraction in by turning the baits. You, you know what I mean? The, the actual salt, the, what's going in of the solids, as in if I could use pellets, then I would soak the pellets up in stuff. Yeah. But, I, but I'm boiling only on Grenville. Solid bags aren't, the, aren't really the way I'm acting because it's silty and weedy. But if you can get, you, what I'm saying is, you, with solid bag fishing, it's about the time you're anticipating a bite. And that, that, that would determine how I set that bag up. Let's say, let, okay, so let's say you didn't know. You didn't have a fucking clue. The bike hmm. could come within 30 minutes or it could come within 12 hours. 
That kind then of I, I, would, I would go down either the soap pellet route or or the turn to boily, the turn boily crumbed up or mixture of both of it if I was if the late rules allowed it. You wouldn't get any dry powders in there with some liquid. I set things up with what I anticipate is going to happen. So if 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 I thought the probability of a bite within an hour or two, then yes, I would do that. If if, if I really if I was anticipating a bite a good few hours later, then I wouldn't put the powders in because you've not depending on how far you're casting is how big your bag is. You haven't got a massive volume in a solid bag, so irrespective of what actually happens, how I fish is what I anticipate is going to happen. So so. If I anticipated a bite, a quickish bite, then yeah, the powders would go in. But if I wasn't, I would I would look for the longevity of, of the bag approach and, and thinking it's going to 8, 12, 15, 16 hours. Mm. And that's how I would tailor it because I would be thinking, well, I'm, I'm looking at a, a bite at first light or I'm looking at a night bite or I'm looking at yeah. I'm casting it at 12 noon and it might happen just before last light at 10 o'clock in the summer. So, so I'm still looking at 10 hours before I think that I'm going to get a bite on that. If you're fishing a high, you know, if you're fishing a hard lake, you're not, chances are you're not catching multiple fish. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's a different ball game. Yeah. Whereas if I was going to linear, oh, it, would yeah. all, it, it would all be powders and liquid. Mad leak off. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, just, yeah. And just, and just keep recasting. Yeah. Your, so, so, your, so, <clears throat> your hot soak is, is something else that you, you sort of time, don't mm. you? Yeah. I, we we had a fucking ridiculous amount of um, messages about your hot soak, which I get, by the way. Um, you know, absolutely. Mm. Message in, I understand. Um, you vary the concentration of different components given your expected bite time, right? Yeah. But also, I make me bait like rubber bullets. My my yeah. The golden balls is 10% Origel. Yeah, that which is high. That. Yeah, it comes out like rubber bullets, but then it because it's twenty three percent hydrolyzed, the only way it's going to stick together with a hot soap, with a boiling hot soap, is if, if you gel it with ten percent whey gel. What what's the how soluble is that bait? Well, it's twenty three percent hydrolyzed. What? Yeah, but is there other solubles in there, or is that the no. soluble? Well, you've got ten percent whey gel, but but whey gel isn't soluble once you've cooked it. Twenty percent right. maize protein, um, CLO, um, semolina, and that. But that's it. It's, it's literally a colour bait. But then it's what. I, but it's also got ten percent whey gel in it, so it's reasonably nutrition in that there's. there's Twenty percent super gold sixty, ten percent wager, which is eight origel eighty, which you know, which is eighty percent protein of the ten percent. So there's eight percent good yeah. protein just in the whey gel. It's got brocacel in it, CPSP ninety. So so it's a reasonable food bait. But what it is is when it's washed out, it's fucking bright gold. Mm. It literally is bright gold. And then you put the hot soak on it. You can only put the hot soak on it if it's if it's strongly gelled because otherwise there'd just be nothing left of it. Yeah. And what, so, what, so what is for, for the listeners? What is the hot soak? What is that c- comprised of? 
But it's just, it's just um, sit chicken HPP. People listening want to do it. What would they do? Well, what, what the problem is, right? It depends on the sensitivity of, of your carp to that mixture. Because people who've tank tested citric have said it's repellent at really low levels, and some people have tried it in in a fishing sense, and it's repellent. The last two two three seasons. I've caught very last last season. I had fifteen originals out of active and nine stockies. I caught the second most originals, but I had of those fifteen originals, five of them were forty. The the lad who had the most, he had sixteen originals and fifty odd sixty stockies, and he had two forties in in those sixteen originals. That's telling me my baiting approach is highly selective. It's a big fish. Now, I think if you took that approach to somewhere else with younger fish, that you wouldn't do repellent because I'm not catching the stockings. This season, to, 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 to play about I've half the concentration, and so far this season from June, I've had nine originals, four of which are 40, and I've had 16 stockings. So by half in the concentration, I've doubled the number of stockings. If you, if you <clears throat> I know what you're doing for rigs, but again, hmm. thinking about what people will be thinking about and what they'll want to be asking you, rig wise, are you doing it's anything just a different? Stiffy. I'm just using this this season because I'm fishing up the top end lake and it's weedy. Well, I I had the I had the the leather in when I fished the pot beds in opening week. I had the leather on in June. I had it on a, a KD. Soft braided KD. But when I had it in the spring, I had it on a hinge stiffy, a low, like a two inch hinge stiffy. Mm. All my fish this year have all been on hinge stiffies. Well, it's not, it's, it's, it's a semi stiff braided boom and then just a chod section. Yeah. But I found a hook that I'm really, really happy with. First time ever, first pop up hook. I, I, I thought, right, I'm happy with that. You sharpening yourself? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah pillar for cutting it down but it's all generated from the feeding response between for like the last three well the certain the last two seasons it's been the golden balls and and the, the particle when the time's appropriate and and, and getting the level the, the the amounts the actual quantity of bait right for the time frame much to feed in Sometimes you put in six midi bombs over it. We, that's only a mixture of boilium and particle. You know, the boilium maze. That's not a lot of bait over one rod. Sometimes you're giving it the bigger if you're anticipating a bigger. I've been tramming, not tramming up, but putting, putting two rods out on one spot and putting a decent hit over that spot when I'm in a certain swim. But then I've got two rods out there. Because if you're getting a lot of night bites, trying to trying to find small spots in weed, silty weed is an arsehole at night when you you've not really got great far bank markers. Um, so, so so it's a combination of I know that lake pretty well. I can predict when certain fish are going to come out because I've been on my seventh season now, and I, I've, the fish I've caught I've caught on a certain bait. I've predicted what 
I'm going to catch on on these, you know, these fish. I'm I'm pretty certain I can catch them on these baits, or I'm I'm convinced. Whether I do or not is a different matter, but I've got the faith. Uh, it's almost like a religious fervor that I can catch those fish on this baiting approach. The last four I want. So 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 it's it's, it's getting in the swim, which is the hard bit on on certainly on Acton. Because they're all very good. Every every angler on Acton is at least very good, and some are exceptional. So they're all switched on. You know what I mean? There's a lot of competition for a going swim. So it's getting in the swim. It's assessing what, how much you think they're going to need food-wise. Well, if if you think they're having it, then you give them a bit more. In certain swims, if I'm putting two rods on one spot, then I'll give I can give them a decent hit over that because I've got two bites at my hook baits. And it's a different situation with the stockies. Now I've managed I've managed to sort of repel the stockies last season so I could I got most of the fish I wanted. This season I've reduced my stocky repellent to see if the the last four fish that I can't catch if the different levels of attraction is if it's more accommodating to those fish. Mm. And so I'm suffering more stockies. Like like when I when I when I'm in when I'm putting two two rods out on one spot, I've got siltweed in one of the swims, I've got siltweed at the front and the back of the of the spot. And the, the spot's not bad. The problem is you get when you get some of the smaller stockies, they pick they pick the, the rig up, they don't drop the lead because they're naive, and then they kite through and then fuck your other rod up. So then middle of the night, you've lost two rods, you two banker rods on one spot, you've lost. And then it takes about two hours in the middle of the night to, to sort it out, get all the silt weed out, it's just a fucking nightmare to, to sort that out. So, but I was like, so that spot, I call it high risk, high reward. They're either going to take it out or I'm, chances are I'm going to catch a big one. And and that spot I'm fishing, Ryan's come from that spot. In fact, my mate Kev had it last, uh, I think, a week, week and a half ago. He, he had Ryan's out off that spot a couple of days after I left it on the Friday night, just before the full moon, 46.8. And I, I said to him, I left on the Tuesday morning, I said, that fish will be out before, I was coming back Sunday morning, I said, that fish will be out before I come back. And one, one lad had the OT, and I thought he's going to have Ryan's, and he didn't. And the next lad who followed him in, who was Kev, had Ryan's out off that spot Friday night. So, so, so it's, it's a question of, you know when that fish is coming out, or I, I, I do now, and I've got a good idea when it's going to come out. It's just trying to tweak it to try and catch that, those last four fish. Now, I'm not sure where that fishes on, on my bait. I'm pretty sure I, I know it's come out on maze before. It comes out on ASM all the time. So I'm I'm just trying to uh, adjust my baiting approach to, to when I think that fish will come out, you know, when it comes out and I'm playing I'm playing with the levels of attraction to see if it's not repellent to that fish by going high. Like the peach the peach I've had it twice, right? When I've I've used the full strength the full strength soak, and the first time I had the peach, I'd spotted out about a hundred 
118 mil baits, and within 45 minutes, the peach took it with the full strength soak on it. Mm. And then the second time I had the peach, I only, I only had the soak at half strength. But even with leading about and banging and banging the bait out, I had the bite within two hours. So what I'm saying is that fish is obviously tolerant to a higher level of citric than the, the stock is. So, 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 so you, you have to adjust. You, you've got to play with, 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 with things like this for the fish on your lake. Because people, a lot, you know, in homemade, homemade bait boss, a lot of said if you've done tank tests or they, they put it in hook baits, then they haven't had any joy with citric in, in hook baits. So I don't think it's citric in the hook bait per se. I think it's their water. So and and when when they're anticipating a bite, if they bang a certain level of citric in a pop up, and then the fish comes to it within an hour, there'll be a different concentration of of, of citric in that hook bait than there will be twelve hours later. Yeah. Citric acid is so well respected for within you know home home rolling circles. I mean, <clears throat> for me, I've said this several times on the podcast. I've never really gone into why. I just think it's overrated. I think there are better organic acids out there. Yeah, um, without a doubt. I, I think there's a yeah. I think it's it's pretty limited study that everyone's going off, and it's just. It's regurgitated. It's got some, it's got some in 2003, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, one guy that's respected says, oh, yeah, it's really good because it's been in this study. Someone else regurgitates it. All of a sudden, loads of people are just saying the same shit and it all comes from the same source. I don't think citric acid is anywhere near as good as some other organic acids. Mm. Um, you obviously... I'll put it this, it's not on milk, mate. Well, yeah, there we go. Well, yeah, maybe you've sort of answered this question, but... You obviously, well, I thought you hold it, hold it in high regard. Obviously, it no, goes no, it's part, stocks. it's part of <clears throat> the armory, right? In in, I'm I'm using an out and out attractor bait, and there's everything in that attractor bait from start to finish on a time release system. Mm. There's reasonable nutrition. But your hot soak is comprised of citric acid, right? Yeah, it's just citric and HVP. Mm. But what I'm saying is, I don't know how long that lasts. It also has different levels of penetration. If I if I soak it the night before, it has a different level of penetration than when I bang that bucket back in the freezer. I yeah. don't use it all. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. And if it's gone in the freezer three times, then it's soaked all the way through, and the bait is not much different from a paste. Yeah. So, so that is 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 is, is, uh, is completely different. But what I'm saying is, it, the, the soak is only an initial attractor. Within how much is left within twelve hours? Well, I can answer that to some extent. It very much depends on the level of penetration into the bait. Whether if if, if I if I make a bait. Say I make a bait Friday, I air dry it overnight, I put the hot soak on it Saturday night, I'm going fishing Sunday morning. Then there won't be a, it won't be deeply penetrated in that bait because the bait is 10% orogel, it's like bullets. 
conversely, three weeks later, if I've put four kilos in a bucket and I've, I've hardly caught anything, or I've blanked two times, so the third time I take it out, it's penetrated all the way through. So then that, that has a much higher level in absolute terms, but also in concentration because it's all the way through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get it. So, so, so you can tell someone, right, this is what I do, but it won't necessarily be applicable to your angling. So you've got to work no, of out. Yeah, of course. Exactly what, what you're doing. I mean, I, I got a tip off, off, um, off a friend of mine. Um, he, he was using, a, a, I'll call it an organic acid preparation because I never give other people secrets away. And I put it on my hook base and it's made a big difference. It, 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 right, I'll clarify that. I've put it on my food bait pop-ups and it's made a big difference. I, put, I do something else on my bottom baits, but I've not been able to fish bottom baits apart from when I'm fishing the ass end. Or I use... Oh, my bottom baits I use on Grenville, which are also... If they're going in a solid bag, then, <clears throat> you know, they're, they're completely different from my food bait pop-ups. And, and this is an organic acid? Yeah, it was a blend of organic acids. It's something you can buy. It was a blend of organic acids, um, and, and I just I just put it on my part on my food bait pop ups because my food bait pop ups are highly gelled. They're absolutely, and then I air dry them for five days, and they'll stay popped up for, for two days. I, I, I make cork dust with them, but the problem is when you've air dried them for five days. Nothing penetrant. There's no leak off them at all. So the only way to get leak off is to soak them. But if you soak a pop up, you knack of the buoyancy. <clears throat> oh yeah, for sure. So so what I do is I dry, I air dry them so they're like absolute bullets, and then they go in it. They, they go in like I keep them in a sludge. And the only thing I've added to that sludge is, is this organic acid spray. Mm. Um, but it has made a difference. Because in that sludge, there was were, were like an amino liquid, some vodka, um, some spices, some liver, um, some high nucle- high nucleic yeast, um, and some fermented fish. That that was on the outside of my pop ups, and then I, they used to work. But then I've also added these organic acid, this organic acid spray, um, and it works even better now. So for the people that are going to message me about this organic acid combination, mm. is there anything else you can say about it or not? Well, no, just try different things. It just mm. works. What I'm saying is it's not just that, because also in, in, in that sludge, I've got everything else. I've got high new yeast. I've got chicken liver hydrolyzed powder. I've got some spices. I've, yeah, got, was... an amino, I've got an amino liquid. That so sorry that sorry that's just come to me actually. Something else. A lot of people say you mentioned hydrolyzed liver in the last podcast several times, didn't you? Well, I I said you, I reckon you... that hydrolyzed chicken liver is good, and then you said it's nothing compared to hydrolyzed beef liver, and I said yeah, but I can't get I can't really get hydrolyzed beef liver yeah. that easily, but I still think chicken liver hydro is a good product. And then when you had the, the podcast with dave moore he said chicken liver hydro is a good product yeah quite agree so, well, but, but i also i also said <laughs> in the context of 
if you put chicken liver hydro powder in a base mix with other things like Brocacel, CPSP90, potentially carimine, how much extra is the hydrolyzed beef liver adding over the chicken liver given how much is in? And you said, well, you thought a lot. And I said, well, I think the chicken liver hydro is good enough. If I obviously if I could get if I could get I I mean years ago I got some beautiful liver powder off Mark McKenna. I bought twenty kilos of liver powder off him. Went to the twenty thirteen angling show. Beef. He showed me this he showed me this liver powder and he just it was like God's own liver powder. I said, right, twenty kilos of that young man. Do you know what I mean? But since then, the only thing I've been able to get hold of easily is the chicken liver hydro powder. Mm. And that, that was what was in the liver fish meal, which I, which I had the Randall on. The slope three times. I literally, on the, my first three seasons of acting, the, the biggest fish in the top lake, the slope, I had it three times, three seasons, but three times in 18 months on the same bait. Are you using any fish meal other than the CPSB 90? Not at the moment, no, because because I'm, 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 I'm using my colour bait. Mm. That's not to say I wouldn't use a fish meal. If, because because it's worked um like the fish meals where I fish them have worked unbelievably well. Yeah. For certain fish. But I I'm, I keep getting repeats. Because of the preferences of fish it seems to be. Certain baits like you, you do a heavy fish meal, you'll catch certain fish and they're highly desirable, but you'll keep catching those fish because they like that bait. Whereas, like now, like I said, I've gone on to this new bait. Within three hundred and six two days less than a year, I've had big pets three times on the same same bait. Had it twice in two in two weeks. Last last season, the, 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 of the ten fish I wanted, I had six of them, and five of them I had twice in the same season. All eighteen members. So it's the preferences. The fish like certain things. And then when, when, when you find out what that is, then you can keep catching them. But I don't want to keep catching them, really. I want the ones I can't catch. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's, it's then tailoring that. I mean, so if you're not obsessed with, with bait or, or catching certain fish, then you might just want a general good bait that you can take anywhere and catch fish on. And I think a fish meal... You know, the ones that John Baker says are all the same, I still think there's a lot of mileage in those days. So to get a, a standard recipe, you can take it anywhere. It leagues better than what most people are using, and it will catch most fish on most lakes. I'm particularly, especially on accent, I'm fishing for fish that are over 30 years old, Highly pressured, the best anglers in the country. Like, but I would have never got an accent twenty years ago because I didn't know anybody. I was a noddy. You know, the, the who's who of the carp fishing world fish there. They have educated those fish. You, you, you name a name from twenty years ago. They probably had a, had a double on accent. Frank Warwick was on there. Alan Taylor, Dave Moore. You know, loads of famous. Mid- Kevin Maddox was on there. That's the calibre of angler you've been fishing for those fish for the best part of 30 years. 
you clued up fish, you pressured fish. So if you, if you can, I think I, I can find preferences to what I can catch them on, you know. Um, like you mentioned farriers before. If I, if I was going on farriers, I'd be on, I'd be on particle nut mix, given that there's commons there. I'd be using a turn, I'd be using a nut mix turn, the high, high yeast nut mix turn in it, soak it in the particle juice and spot a neck particle. I don't, I don't know farriers, I've never fished it, but that is the approach I'll go in because it's full of big commons. Mm. There's no way I'd be using a fish meal on that. No chance. It'd be a high tiger nut, potentially full fat peanut in, in warmer water, in, in the boilie. And then particle, and yeah. soaking, soaking the boilers and the particle juice, and that's what would be going out. You wouldn't see, there wouldn't be any fish meal in in in, in a bait of areas. Which you'd think, I mean, fish meal, incredible nutritional source. There's mm. big fish there. What do they need? They they what what do big fish need? They need to sustain their weight. They yeah. need to be efficient. They need to digest the food. Uh, it just everything screams well a, a, a good quality fish meal, doesn't it? Well, mm, on most waters it works. Yeah, but why not there? Because they're commons. Yeah, but but commons still have they no, still no, have they, that they, need, they still, don't they? They still do, but I would still go in with the nutmeg because because every when I fished with 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 a, a brighter bait, and certainly in certain temperatures. Nut mix is just just out fish for commons. They do absolutely rinse Elby on a, on the nut mix, and I could not I could not catch. There was about two thirds mirrors and one third commons on there, and I could not catch a common over twenty pound. Caught, caught the stockies, but I could not catch them. And my my uh, fish meals were good. Some of them had full fat GLM in. It was really good fish meals. LT fish mm. meal, CPSP ninety. You know, even the start of that I had the original zero thirty. Absolutely amazing bait. Stuff you can't get anymore. Like I had taste L zero thirty and the liquid L zero thirty in, in in the baits on there, and I could not catch the commons. I I I I was like top rod or second top rod nearly every season. All fucking mirrors. So I went on on the on the what's it on the okay. enzyme nut mix and bang I had, I had the second biggest common three times i never had the biggest common i lost it on a tiger nut um i had the second biggest common three times and i had all the other all the other big commons twice in one season from, from not catching them so so there's no way i would use a fish meal on, on something like farriers because because experience has shown me the, 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 it just works, nut mixes, things like that. Same, same with Grenville. There's very, very few commons in Grenville. Whereas I've had three, I've, I've, had, I've had two mid 30 commons way out of proportion with the number of commons in there on, on the golden balls, the site mix. It's statistically so, unlikely. So, so, so let's stick with Farrier. By the way, just for the fucking for the listener, um, we haven't mentioned tip of the episode. I've had about ten beers. I'm um, fucking three sheets <laughs> and of the wind. That's why you can never remember anything. 
No, and I'm, and I'm probably yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, all these these podcasts I'm always pissed up on, unfortunately, which I get. I get a lot of people messaging angrily about, but yeah, I'm. Uh, so apologies if I'm slurring my words. Um, let, let let's stick with farriers then, because it mm. is it's a very interesting. It's a very fucking unique proposition, isn't it? In terms of waters goes, because it is a lot of, a lot of commons. Mm, very big commons. As, yeah, very big commons. As far as I'm aware, very few mirrors. Um, it's an unusual lake, isn't it? So, mm. but 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 at the same time, I believe it's not a low stock lake. Um, so there's plenty of fish in there. Mm. So so. You're basically saying, let, let's flip it on its head. You're saying that you would not fish fish meals because you want to target the commons, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Let's say you wanted to target the mirrors in a lake. There was, like a, there was a beautiful linear in there. I remember yeah, it's dead, isn't I'm it? Not sure if it's, I'm not sure if it's still there. Now. I don't want to come back barriers, to be fair, but I, I remember seeing pictures a few years ago of an absolutely stunning linear. So if I was targeting that, then I'd go and fish meal. I don't care how many commons are in the lake. If I was going after the mirror, then I'd be on a fishing. Yeah. All day. Same with your lake, your theoretical lake of X amount of acres with these stunning old carp in them. If, if those stunning old carp were mirrors, then all day I'd be straight on a fish meal. See, here's what I would do, rightly or wrongly. That, that you know, the hypothetical lake, you mm. know, we, you weren't sure I may or may not a fish. I would I would just go in with fish meals because that is what um that's just what I'm used to using. That that's what I've used for not in the early days, but most of my sort of like what I would say more serious angling years, I've used mm. a good quality fish meal, you know, which I've rolled myself and it's changed. But that's what I would use. Nowadays, I am obviously recent years very much into milk proteins. I have theories about bigger fish and milk proteins, and there's a lot. There's a lot I could talk about on that, but I don't mm. want to bore people. You, you remember when I sent you the the, the bait what been analysed? Yeah, I do. Yeah, two two of the lads who've caught the most fish have used that bait. Which, by the way, <clears throat> if you look at the you look at the paper on that bait, and we won't name it for obvious yeah. reasons, and there's no point messaging me because I'm not going to name it. Uh, easy to shit over it, isn't it? But actually, that bait has caught a lot of fucking lot of fish. fish. Well, from from not only your lake, lakes down my way yeah. on the water park, you know it, it. But it's not discriminatory; it catches everything what swims. Yes, but yeah. also, did you make, did you see Nerge's breakdown of the organic acids on it? No, no. What's that? Well, you know, I sent the I sent the the paper written analysis. You, you... Where he just, he just basically, the, the, the lad who had analysed did the macros, didn't he? The, the protein, the fat, and the carbohydrate, and the pH. Yeah, I'm, I'm possibly missing part of this analysis then. Well, later I got, I got sent a sheet, <clears> and, all, and, it, and all it showed was ascorbic acid, lactic, acetic, and citric. He said, well, he said, he said possibly ascorbic. Yeah, it had some acetic acid in it, some lactic acid in it. Can, can you send that to me? Is that right? I'll try and find it. It's somewhere. Yeah, I'd appreciate that if you can, yeah. 
Well, I think I'm, I think it's spectroscopic analysis, but basically that that's just the organic acids. But, it, but that ties into what I'm saying about certain baits. From from my point of view, like like my baits are big fish baits, out and out big fish baits. And, and yeah. I say, because I catch I catch far more bigger fish than I do smaller fish. Whereas the lads using other commercial baits like key baits and this one we're talking about, they just get numbers. And along the way, they will catch a certain amount of big fish because the lake's got big fish in them. But it's yeah. not discriminatory. Whereas what I do, so it's different on Grenville because, because there's just packs of fish so you catch what's in front of you. But on a lake like Acton where you've got, at the moment, you've got, 50, 60 big originals and 150 stockies, I'm still, I should be catching five stockies for every original, whereas whereas last season I had 15 originals and nine stockies. Yeah. That is highly, dis- and, and, and of those 15 originals, five of them were 40 and three of them were 38 plus, which were normally 40s but we're, we're down in weight. So what I'm saying is I potentially, in the past, they would have been 840s out of 15 fish, which is just mind. Statistically, it doesn't add up. Mm. But what I'm saying is that's, that's wh- where I'm at. That's what I'm trying to achieve, is what I'm saying. Mm. Whereas other, even, if, even if commercial baits are good, they're not discriminatory because because a big bait company can't afford to have a bait whilst discriminatory. It's just got to catch fish because you've got anglers using it on somewhere like linear or a club water or whatever. All commercial baits can't be discriminatory. They've just got to be attractive to all sizes of fish. And and that is where I think you you know you the home roller can really capitalise because you can tailor. Once, yeah. once you get into it, you can tailor everything to what, you know, or at least attempt to tailor everything to what you want to catch, whether it's commons, mirrors, old fish, greedy fish. What, if you know yeah. what their preferences are, you can stack the odds to some extent in your favour. Exactly. Whereas the, the commercial outfit, like this, this guy that we're talking about or the, mm. the bait company we're talking about, and any bait company, that their bait has to catch over a whole multitude of lakes, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. You, you know, it has to, to catch go, down... Has to go run, and bust, aren't they? It has to catch at the, the five-acre runs water with 200 carp in it or more, just as much as it does at the fucking, you know, 500-acre with... Your, the- your theoretical lake with its 40 fishing. The- it's got to work on there, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or less fish, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, and I've not, and I, and I don't knock um, yeah, anybody who's just who's, who can catch so many fish on a commercial bait. You've got to a respect their ability, and b that's got to be a good bait. Do you know what yeah. you should do, Stephen? Um, totally fucking switching gears now, totally off topic. <laughs> um, last podcast, me and uh, Dean spoke about going for a social slash bait off down. Yeah. I can't remember what fucking water it was. One of his waters. You should come along. Yeah. 
if I can fit, if I can fit it inside, my only problem is because I, um, I, I can't long term plan, which is why I never go on holiday because because I've got to work around certain other commitments. So I can't say in in three months time ah. I can fish on a Sunday. I will only know when I can fish within two weeks. Didn't you say you always fished like Sunday to Tuesday? Or no, Sunday? no, no. What what happens is that I end up doing like ideally I want to fish Sunday to Tuesday, but then my commitments change that after about three weeks, then I'll probably end up doing a Tuesday to a Thursday, and I'll end up probably doing a Thursday the week after, probably potentially a Thursday to a Saturday. And then I might end up missing a week and then getting back to Sunday to Tuesday to accommodate my commitments. So, so if I, I don't fish every week, Sunday to Tuesday, it ends up for a few weeks, I might fish two nights every 10 days until it rolls back. The reason I like fishing Sunday is because the, the road down to Acton's quiet on a, on a Sunday, Sunday morning. Do you, do you mind me asking what do you do for a living? Yeah, well, I don't talk about my private life. You know what I mean? It's just, I, don't, I don't talk about it. But what I'm saying is the reason I try and fish Sunday is because of traffic. Because I'm travelling so far, traffic's just a nightmare. If I'm, if I'm going down to Grenville in, in a weekday or a weekend, it, I mean, coming back on a bank, the last time I went to, to Grenville, it took me four and a half hours to get back. Mm. So... You know, if, if if it's a shit journey down, that's a nine hour, you know, to do two nights, there's nine hours yeah. driving there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that, that's why I try and I try and arrange my, my timing around what's best for traffic. Mm. But then sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't pan out. So then you just got to put up with what you got to put up with. This is, the pro- this is the problem with living where you live, and I'm all too familiar with this. It's um, yeah. it's difficult, isn't it? Well, there's a lot of northern lads. There's loads of northern lads on, on Acton. There's loads of northern lads on Grenville. There's no loads of Manchester lads on Girton. All these good syndicates, you've, you've got lads, a lot of them from the Manchester area, Preston, Liverpool, because we haven't got the carp fishing, you know, somewhere like Acton, you don't get any southern lads coming up. You get lads from Wales, you get lads from Wales, Derbyshire, Nottinghamshire, potentially. Loads of lads from Manchester, Preston, Liverpool, Chester. But you don't get southern lads coming, you know. Same with Girton, you don't get lads coming from down south to Girton because you've got all the southern lads. Mm. <clears throat> Whereas there's like, you know, everybody, everybody's traveling from the north down to see serious anglers because the waters are there. Well, until you get me my guest session, I guess. <laughs> there's no <laughs> there's no guest. And there'll be a southern there. lad on there, won't there? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean I mean on on the, on Grenville there's a lad who comes up from Cornwall. I think there's a couple of lads who come up from Cornwall. Yeah, I don't live in Cornwall, just let you know. No, no, but I'm just I'm just saying when you were talking about living in Cornwall before, I <clears> think <throat> these lads are looking at about seven hours or something to get to Grenville. Oh fucking brutal. Oh yeah, yeah. Grenville is Huntingdon uh, Racetrack. Sorry? Huntingdon Racetrack. That don't mean nothing. What what county is that in? Uh Cambridgeshire. Yeah, fucking yeah, Cornwall to Cambridgeshire. I mean 
as I said. That's, I that's a savage journey, isn't it? It's a fucking brutal journey. Yeah, yeah. I live in uh, I live in the Cotswolds now, so not too far for me. But I just I wouldn't go that far. I just wouldn't I wouldn't fish there anyway. Mm. But you've got a lot of waters in the Cotswolds, haven't you? You've got some decent club waters around there. I've, I've heard rumours of. There's some water. Sorry, there's a couple of decent club waters around there, isn't there? Yeah. I mean the Cotswold Water Park. So just just to sort of backtrack a little bit, I don't want to go into it too much. But I used to rhyme. I mean, I grew up around Sarancester uh, when I was a little kid. Um, before I moved to Cornwall, I used to ride around those pits. I used to fish those pits for you know little roach rudd, silvers, um, and they've changed a lot. But it's always been a big draw. Obviously, we had Ashmead here. Mm. Um, and uh, obviously that's no longer, but yeah, th- there's a certain vibe around the Cotswold Water Park. It's um, it's an interesting place to to fish and to live, and yeah, there's some some interesting waters. Which you've got yeah. all the Oxford waters are not that far away. I know they're absolutely yeah, or- mob now, but back in the day, you know they they were sort of some pretty good waters, weren't they, in, in the in the Oxfordshire area? Yeah, I mean Oxfordshire is not that it's not that far at all. There's some amazing waters around. Mm. Um, it's more low stock, more low stock pit fishing around here. It's yeah. very different from what you're used to. Um, but this is the beauty. I mean, you go to different pockets of the UK and mm. you'll find different types of fishing. You are up fucking north. You, I understand where you're coming from. It, it's fucking difficult, isn't it? I mean, yeah, just to get to act, you are like which is um um fuck I'm trying to think of the county gins of s can't remember anyway it's, well, it's a long great manchester to shropshire's two hours on shropshire a shropshire sorry yeah. shropshire it's a long fucking track well, it's, two, it's two hours on a good run yeah 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 it's fucking on a sunday morning when it's quiet yeah 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 exactly it's um it's difficult and it reminds me of when in, when I used to live in Cornwall, but I don't know those were those were some of the best angling years that I ever had because I was going to local places, the unfished pit, and they were genuinely unfished. Mm. Um, just fishing for what was there, and yeah, sure, we were fishing for upper twenties, but back in that day, it, it didn't really matter because they were huge fish to wash. Yeah, I mean, when when you talk about that. I used to travel to Cheshire, which was 40 miles each way, mm. up until 2010. It was, I didn't have my first 20 until 2006. It took me 10 years to catch my first 20-pound fish. Yeah. And that, and that was travelling 40 miles each way to Cheshire. Do you know what? Anything over 25, to me, is a fucking big fish. Mm. It is. Like, oh, it is. Depending on the water. It depends on the water. Yeah, of course, you could go to a water and it's like, well, they're, they're 10 a yeah. I get that, but... On, on a low on a low stock. It's like last last season, one of my favourite fishes was, was 22 pounds, 12 ounces. I had a fish called the Little Fully, which is like an original, original out of Acton. It was spawned out. It normally does 25, 26 maybe. But it's an original laney, fully scaled. There's two of them in there, and they were in before Rob before Rob took the water over in '92. 
Exactly. They were there in they were there in the eighties when Maddox was fishing it before <clears throat> Rob got it. And there's two so, there's two of them in that lake. Exactly. And and I exactly and there's, a cricket, that, there's a cricket bat laney, which is the same age, it's twenty pounds, and I would give my left bollock to catch it and I cannot catch it. It's yeah. twenty pounds. And it's absolutely stunning. It's just carp porn, it's twenty pounds. Which which these days is it, just all the stockies are over, well, not all of them, but a lot of the stockies are in £30 now. And, I, and, and, and you know, you unlock them in the map, but I, sorry, unlock them in the net, but a tw- that £20 lane, I would give my left nut to catch that. Right, it's getting late. It is getting late, mate. How long have, how long have we been doing this now? A uh, uh, fucking long time, I would say, what, 7.30? Nearly four hours. Cool. Anything else you want to say? Do you want to round it up? Um, no, I think we've more or less uh, been down about every rabbit hole we possibly could. I'll Unless tell you, you what, think... last question for you, if I may, if you don't well, mind. You're obviously on the carnivore diet. Yeah. How do you how do you cook on the bank? What does that look like? Um, how do you make it work for you? Grass, grass-fed steak, cooked in butter, um, sockeye salmon, cooked in butter, um, four to six, pasture-raised eggs, try and get it before 12, 12 noon so I don't get meat sweats at night. So I literally smash all my food, probably 250 grams of protein, a couple of hundred grams of fat, all in one meal at the moment. Everything cooked, cooked in, in raw, raw butter. Smash it all down your fat face and don't eat for 24 hours. Are you doing this on like a ridge monkey or on a barbecue? No, just, just a, a, sto- a stove and a frying pan. I, I, I must be the only angler in Britain who's never owned a ridge monkey. It's just a, a frying pan from Tesco. Grass fed steak, whacked in the butter. Bang. God's own food. The, st- the steak I'm getting from a farm in Cheshire is, is just next level. The only thing I put on it is salt, Himalayan salt. Do you use a sauce or not? No. Literally, all I eat, no spice, no pepper, literally salt and, mm. and cooked in butter. The, st- the steak, basically because it's grass-fed, it's so rich. The, the fat content is so rich in flavour, which is the flavonoids out of the, you know, every, everything in, 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 in what's, what's come out of the, um, the grass is, is in the steak. It, it, it's like nothing you've ever tasted. It's, it's just, it sets off parts of your brain that I didn't know could be set off from eating steak. There's a lot of omega-3s in grass-fed steak as well. Exactly. Know that. Yeah, yeah. They, they reckon the ratio of omega-6 to 3 is 2 to 1. Which yeah. in, in, in grain fed the shit you get from a supermarket, they reckon the omega is, is nine, you know, you've got nine times more omega six than you have in omega three. But it's not only that, if you if you feed beef grains, then there's no all the flavour components what come out of the, the plants aren't in the meat. So the meat just tastes bland and shit. So then you've got to put sauces on them. Whereas this, literally I put just salt on it and it is just God level flavor. 
And if you get the, sometimes you get the ex dairy, basically the, the animals they've used for for milk and cheese and cream. Um, when 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 the the milk production goes down, they slaughter on for beef. And the ex dairy is just some of it is just unbelievable. Mm. The fat is is almost like buttery. Basically, I'm not I've not eaten any carbs for a year, so I'm, I'm so the only energy source is fat. So when you're eating steak five to seven days a week, it's got to be God-level steak. You can't eat the garbage you get from a supermarket seven, seven days a week. You just, you just end yourself because it just, it's horrible. But I, I can literally eat steak seven days a week because it's just God-level steak. Stephen, pleasure. Always, always yeah, a definitely. fucking pleasure to talk to you. I always learn something. So, yeah, thank you very much. If you're still here and you happen to be listening on the Apple Podcast app or Apple iTunes, please take a few moments, leave me a review, let me know how we're doing with this podcast. A, it's really nice to hear from you, and B, it helps this podcast stay relevant and stay in the ratings. If it doesn't stay in the ratings, it falls behind, um, people don't listen to it, and obviously that means there's not much point me doing it anymore. So if you can take a moment to leave me a review, I'd really appreciate it. If you're not listening on an Apple device, I don't think you can leave us a review, unless there's some means that I'm not aware of, um, but Nonetheless, I appreciate you listening. It does mean a lot to me. And uh, yeah, feel free to, to reach out on social media. That's it. I look forward to bringing the next episode to you very soon.